as we focus this morning and in weeks to come upon letting our hearts be Christ's home, listen to how the Apostle John reminds us of what home really is, calling us into worship with these words. When Jesus turned and saw that some who would ultimately become his disciples were following him, he said to them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. So they were looking for the teacher. Where are you staying? They wanted to know. He said to them, and here's the invitation for us all, come and see. Jesus said, come and see where I am staying. He said to them, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. May our hearts and our lives desire to remain and abide in Jesus Christ every single day. May we rejoice in that, and may we rejoice that Jesus Christ alone is our home as we sing this new and beloved hymn in Christ alone. Let those who are able stand, but come now together. Let us all worship the living God as we give God our praise. Yeah. 
and brings that redemption. The Apostle Paul writes, Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian, for in Jesus Christ you are all children of God through faith. As many of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew nor Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. My friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ has claimed us. He's washed us clean. We are new today because of his grace, because of the cross. Celebrate it and tell it to the world. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. Jesus tells us that what Paul has described will be only possible one way. And in John 15 on the night in which he was betrayed, he spoke these words in verses 4 and 5. He says, Abide in me as I abide in you. He's getting ready to be crucified, to give himself up for us. And he says, Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Praise God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God teach us the converse of that. If we are in Christ... We can do anything and everything he calls us to. Let's rejoice in that as we turn our hearts to God in prayer. Father, bless this word now. Let it come now to us, not only in the spoken word, but in the power of your Holy Spirit. Take captive every thought. Give us the ability to attend to what you have 
for us. Let your good news come not only in word but in power and with the full assurance of your Holy Spirit so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be truly acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and you are our redeemer. All these things we pray in the strong name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. We are gathering on this particular Sunday, the first Sunday in October. Can you believe it's October already? Gathering with people from around the world, and guess what? We're not in a sports stadium. And we're not in a hall of some political gathering or assembly, but we are at the one table of the one God who made us for himself and who died to prove his love and rose from the dead to conquer our lost human condition as he draws us to himself. Is that the best place to be in the whole wide world, the whole cosmos? Where else would we rather be? Nowhere. We're going to spend the next six weeks, as I've mentioned, letting Jesus remind us of what it means to let him be the Lord of our lives. We're going to explore the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be very practical about that. We're going to look at what it means to have a life and lives together characterized as a dwelling place, as a home, as a space where we can take up residence. Because that is how Jesus characterized. God spoke throughout his whole word of having a relationship with himself as being in a dwelling place. Oh, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations, Psalm 46 says. We all know the end of Psalm 23, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On that same night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions, he says. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you to do what? To live and to dwell. We just heard this in our scriptures. That Paul says, I pray that you would know what it means to have God dwell in you, in his spirit, in all the fullness and the power. Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, to do this means to stop. To stop. That's what we've done today. We're here. We're in God's house. We're rejoicing and celebrating and worshiping together. We're exploring God's word. We're discovering what it means to stop and let what God has to say to us sink deeply into who we are and to take up residence with that and to ponder it and to pray on it and to let it speak to us in all of its fullness. Now, homelessness, interesting, homelessness has become a national epidemic in our land. But at the risk of minimizing literal homelessness, I believe the greater homelessness of our land is that of a spiritual nature. That's what's really killing our world and our land and our nation. A spiritual homelessness, a rootlessness 
people do not have a spiritual home. 70% of this city does not have a church home. This nation, less and less and less, even thinks about going to God. We've become a nation of nomads, pitching and folding our tents, blown about by every emotional wind that comes along. It's just, Paul said, I don't want you to be blown about, but that is, that's the nation and the land we live in. A land founded on the principles of loving God and being loved and led by God is being blown about by everything less than that. Jesus came to deal with all levels of homelessness. But I think most of all, he came to deal with our our spiritual homelessness, our wandering in the wilderness. Over 60 years ago, 63 to be exact, Dr. Robert Munger, who was pastor of the First Presbyterian Church of Berkeley, California, of all places, described this homelessness in a little booklet he wrote called My Heart, Christ's Home. We have one for every one of your families. If you need more than that, let us know. We can get more for you. They're at the Welcome Center. They're at the church office. But he wrote this little booklet, My Heart, Christ's Home. It'll take you all of maybe 15 minutes to read it. And I've been sharing this little book with people for over 40 years now. I I grew up on it. I used it in youth ministry before I was an ordained pastor. I've shared it with youth and adults over the years. Some today, as they read this little book, unfortunately, might call it quaint or trite or even childish. But Jesus said, unless you come as a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. I think the idea of Jesus Christ The God of the universe coming into the world to take complete possession of our lives is the most cosmic and yet simple concept anyone could ever be encountered by. That the one who has made us and made everything that is has come to say, of course I want you. I want you and you and you. I want you for my own. Why else would I have made you? I want you. I want to make you whole. I don't want you to be disconnected from me. As I say, I think it's the most cosmic and yet simple concept anyone could ever be encountered by, but it is complicated and in many ways made very difficult for the very reason Jesus came. And do you know what that reason is? Us. (laughs) We're the reason it's complicated. We're the reason it is difficult because we want something other than what God wants. The only way to uncomplicate this is to realize what needs to be done in our lives can only be done by Jesus Christ. It cannot be done by getting a perfect score on the SAT. Something on Facebook the other day tried to tell me I got a perfect score on the SAT. Boy, did they get that wrong. (laughs) It, It will not happen by becoming a CEO or a world leader It will not happen any other way than by our knees being bowed to Jesus Christ and letting him become Lord of everything that we are and everything that we have. But we complicate it thinking, well, it can't be that simple. You know what? Here's the lie. 
It is that simple. It is that simple. Letting Jesus Christ be Lord of our lives. The issue of homelessness, whether it is characterized by the brokenness of people living on the streets or by being spiritually rootless or by raging over the latest political or social controversy. I understand while I was away, there's been some real anxiety about social and political controversies. Something about football? I don't know. Um, Listen, the only way any of that is ever going to be dealt with is when people know what the Lordship of Jesus Christ will do for their emotions and their bodies and their past and their present and their future. And that's why Paul says, I pray that you would know this in all of its fullness. And why he says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundant more than we ask or think. To him be glory. That's what this is about. As those who have been invited to know this, it is our glorious opportunity to invite the homeless of every stripe, whatever form homelessness takes, into the house of knowing and being known by the one Jesus Christ. That's what we're here for. None of us is going to get to the end of this journey and go, dang, I wish I'd gone to more committee meetings. <laughs> wish I'd been in more NFL football games. None of us is, we're going to say, I wish I'd spent more time with Jesus Christ. I wish I didn't have my priorities so mixed up. The holiest person is going to say, I wish I'd spent more time letting Jesus be Lord of everything that I was about. I wish I hadn't been so angry or anxious, or filled with worry. I wish I'd let him be Lord over everything that I am. Jesus said this will happen. He will make it happen only when we are abiding in him. It doesn't happen by osmosis. It doesn't happen through wishful thinking. He said we cannot do anything apart from him. Now, we think we can, don't we? Yeah, we drive our cars, we live in our houses, we get exceedingly busy with you, you name it. But he says you can't do anything. What does he mean by that? Anything that matters. You cannot do anything that matters without me. But if I'm at the center of your life, everything will matter and you'll know what will matter and you'll be able to do it because why? We're taking up residence in him. We're learning what it means for him to be the Lord of everything that we are. The Apostle Paul prayed that we would know this such that Jesus would dwell, abide, take up residence, be the guest of honor in our hearts and in our minds. He said this would happen. And Jesus promised this as God's Holy Spirit empowers our inner being and convicts us of our need to belong to him. As the Heidelberg Catechism says, in body and soul, life and in death, in every facet. This mind is our control center. Dr. Munger characterizes it as the study, the library of our lives, the control center. Based on today's readings, Dr. Munger suggests that the very first room Jesus wants to enter in our lives is that room, that control center, where our thoughts take place, where we are exposed 
to the things that shape the way we think and act. And the reason Jesus wants to occupy this room first is because he wrote all of the scriptures effectively. And in them, he knew this one. As a person thinks, so a person goes, from the Proverbs. And it's as we think that we're directed. Jesus comes into the study, the library, the hard drive, if you will, of our lives, because he knows that until we let him set the table and determine the contents of our lives, we're going to be devastated by the influences of the world. And we're not even going to know that we're being devastated. That's the way Satan works. The power of evil would like nothing more than for us to think we can have a little of this and a little of that and a little of Jesus, and it won't alter our relationship with God at all. No. We are to have the mind of Christ, Paul wrote. He says, have this mind which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself. In this little booklet, My Heart, Christ's Home, Jesus comments on the contents of the books that he, when he walks into each of our studies, our libraries, as Jesus pulls the hard drive out of our computer and, and looks to see, oh boy, that'd be a spooky thing, wouldn't it? What we've been cruising the internet on, what have we been looking at? Jesus comments on magazines and photos in the study. Now, Munger wrote this little book in 1954. Paul wrote a few years before that, (laughs) A.D. 60. Jesus taught 30 years before that. And today, the challenge would be far more mindless when we walk into that library. TV, videos, Facebook, Twitter, email. The barrage is constant. All that stuff that comes at us. And we used to have this expression about computers, garbage in. Oh, you know what I'm, yeah, garbage out. That's exactly what he's talking about. The idea of a study truly, and really, truly taking time to go deeply into anything is overwhelmed by the busyness of these lives we live. We don't read much anymore. We don't think deeply. We're always in a hurry. The idea of stopping to think about why we are doing what we are doing and what it will do to our minds and the minds of our families just isn't there anymore. Our challenge and our glorious invitation is to let Jesus take us deeply into what it means to know him and love him and serve him such that the sound bites and the temptations of this world are turned off. So that in our darkest times, instead of despairing or running around crazily, trying to find some kind of human scheme or solution, we are stopping and simply saying, Lord Jesus, you are welcome here. Come in to this place in my life and do what only you can do. Our problem is twofold. One is we think we can disconnect from Jesus and float about safely on our own. We were, we were p- powerfully shown how, how threatening this is. This past week we were in Huntsville, Alabama at the, the uh, Space Center, amazing place. <coughs> and we learned 
We learned about the first time that someone took an untethered walk in space and how extraordinarily dangerous that is. And that is what Jesus said we try to do when we're the ones setting the agenda for our minds, when we're the ones filling up our hard drive. We are untethering ourselves and saying, it's okay, I'll just be right back. You know, it's just the, the whole universe out there. I, I can't get lost. We laugh, but that's exactly what we do when we say we're the ones who can decide that we know what's right. That is what Jesus said we do. The second problem is also something we saw in the, the South. We saw it everywhere. It was invasive. It was a vine called kudzu. Kudzu was introduced probably in the late 19th century, some say 1876, some say 1888. It doesn't matter. It came from Japan. It seemed perfectly harmless. It was beautiful. They made baskets out of it. You could weave with it. It, it was for soil erosion. It stopped soil erosion. Everybody said, oh, great, let's plant it. Let's put it in. Just one problem. Kudzu envelops entire forests. In, in Georgia, they say you have to leave your windows closed at night, even on a hot summer night, because the kudzu will come in and envelop the inside, entire portion of your house. You see it driving down the freeways. Trees, houses, buildings consumed by kudzu. Where am I going with this? We plant kudzu in our lives when we think we can dabble in our relationship with Jesus without making his word central to our existence. We think, oh, I'm just going to decorate with it a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to push God's word out. I'm just going to put a little kudzu in. I'm going to do a little of this and a little of that. And we make room for the, the kudzu of worldly devastation to take root and let the amusements of life become central. Now, I know that this sounds like we're overstating it, but it's not. Do you know what the word amusement means? Sounds like a pretty harmless word, doesn't it? Amusement. Don't we all like to amuse ourselves? Amusement means to be without thought. It means to be without thought, to do something without thinking about what it's really meaning. Paul prays that we would have the power of God's Holy Spirit to strengthen us such that rather than being amused, we are making Jesus and his word the center of our lives. Rather than compromising, we are to be learning to focus all that we are on letting all that Jesus is reign in our minds, what we think about. As Paul says, so that every thought, every thought is taken captive to Jesus Christ. Jesus, what do you think about this thought? What do you think about this attitude? What do you think about how I'm, I'm thinking about this person or this situation? That's what it means for Jesus to become Lord of our minds. Jesus, don't you think this is a good thing to worry about? Don't you think this is a, I've got a good reason to, to, to hold this grudge and just sit and, and get really angry with this person? No. Paul says, let every thought be taken captive to Jesus. Let Jesus set... The, the content of the mind. He prays this so that we would be filled with the fullness of God and not the things of this world that bloat us. That bloat us. 
I've often called this learning to sacrifice that which is good on the altar of the best because you see there are a lot of good things out there that in and of themselves are not bad. Kudzu wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It's kind of pretty. But when it takes root, it pushes out the best and kills it. We need one thing in our lives. That is the best thing. That is Jesus Christ. Our world is bloated with hatred and trivia and mindlessness. Jesus Christ came to fill our minds with the power of living in and for him. A hundred years ago, Oswald Chambers once wrote, you will find nothing more searching than what the New Testament has to say with regard to the miserable, petty line of insisting on my rights. Let me say that again. You will find nothing more searching than what the New Testament has to say with regard to the miserable, petty line of insisting on my rights. The Holy Ghost gives me power to forego my rights. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. When Jesus is the one in control of our minds, who we are, the things of this world, its rights, the rights of this world grow strangely dim in light of belonging to him and serving him and letting him live in the center of all that we are. Today, as we come to this table, we are called to remember that there are people who would give anything to be able to make Jesus the center of every thought and action, but they can't because they live in situations where there's spiritual and political oppression. We live in a nation that has every opportunity to know and make known the richness of belonging to Jesus Christ, to bend the knee, the heart, to knowing Jesus Christ. And way too often, that opportunity is being thrown away because we are not standing up and saying to the world, do you know who Jesus is? Do you know who he died to make you? We live with that opportunity to think and pray and worship him. We are the ones who get to make this amazing treasure known so that others may know it. And it will only happen as we let Jesus take captive our minds, what we think, what we listen to. May this capturing of our minds put words and movements into us as we learn to make our heart Christ's home. And because we do, may others come to know Jesus as Lord and come to this table and join us. Lord Jesus, we, we need you in the power of your Holy Spirit to define what needs to be in our lives, in our minds. And we pray that we would do that for your glory. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand up. Let's prepare our hearts for this great gift, this great treasure, as we ask God to bless us, as we sing about his dwelling and our dwelling with him. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want.
My friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. Jesus tells us that people will come from south and from north, from east and from west to sit at table in God's kingdom. And we celebrate that together today as we come to this table with people from around the world, realizing that this is where Jesus sets our minds at ease and fills us with himself. You don't have to be a member to come to this table. You don't have to belong to this particular church. Today is a special day to be reminded of that, that any time we gather as members of the body of Christ, we are not only invited, we are encouraged to come here to be delivered from the burden of our sin as we find that rest and refreshment for our souls that comes only from Jesus Christ. And so we come. Hearing those words from one so untimely born, the Apostle Paul himself, who said, I have received of the Lord that which also I deliver unto you, that our Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread and blessed it and broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes again, and he is coming again. We praise God for that. And so we take these ordinary elements to be set apart for that extraordinary use to which Jesus has appointed them as we come with prayer and thanksgiving. Let's thank him. Lord Jesus, as we come now, we pray that if there is anything that's standing between us and being here, if we have a burden, if we're a thought or an attitude that needs to be removed and set aside and forgiven, that you would give us a spirit of being forgiven and a spirit of forgiveness for anyone, and that we would receive these elements as that great transfusion and life-giving source that you have made them to be by giving us yourself. These things we pray in your holy name. Amen. And so it was that on the night in which he was betrayed, that night in which he said, abide in me and I will abide in you, our Lord Jesus took bread and blessed it and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. As I ministering in his name, give this bread to you. And he said, take, eat. This is my body. It's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we do. And we invite you to partake as you are served, that you may know, that we may each and all know that Jesus means he wants to come and change each of us personally. He wants to do that right now. And may we tell one another that as we are served. Tell the person next to you, the body of Christ, broken for you. Come, let us receive. In the same way after supper, when Jesus had given thanks as we have, he took the cup and he poured it out and he gave it to his disciples and he said this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood the new promise poured out for the forgiveness of sins all of you drink of it in remembrance of me and so we do and we invite you to hold that cup that together we might partake as one as a reminder that God has encompassed us all with his great embrace as we gather at this table with Christians from around the world And may we tell one another that as we are served, the blood of Christ shed for you. Simply tell that to your neighbor. Come, let us receive. Lord, may the words of the old hymn, may the mind of Christ my Savior rule in me from day to day. Be upon our lips 
and in us because we've been at this place. Because you have led us here, you have received us here, you have transformed us here by the giving of yourself to us. And may that be evident through us as you change our minds day by day. In Jesus' precious name we pray, dear Father. As we go from this place, God's Holy Spirit is upon us, touching us, filling us, ordering us. And because of that, we go nowhere by accident. Where we go, God is sending us. Where we are, our Lord Jesus has a purpose for us being there. Because he indwells us, he has something he wants to do through us where we are. May we believe it and go. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the communion and the fellowship and the equipping power of God's Holy Spirit every single step of the way. Amen.